How would you like to make an offer so valuable to your prospects that they have a hard time saying no and actually beg to work with you? If that's what you want and you want to be able to enroll more high-paying clients with less resistance, then what I'm about to share with you is going to help you do just that. I'm going to share with you a talk that I gave at our Health Printer Live event in 2021 when we ran it virtually. And this special session was really about how to create a home run offer that gets more people to say yes, dealing with less resistance, and understanding the mechanics of what it takes to get more people to raise their hand as opposed to running the opposite direction. Stick with me for the next few minutes as we dive right into that. Without any further ado, let's segue into the training and let's dive in. Hey, welcome to the Healthpreneur Show. I'm Uriel Kim, CEO and founder of Healthpreneur. You are listening to this because you are a health professional or coach who is committed and driven to growing a successful virtual practice or coaching business online. In these episodes, I'm going to give you the best of the best when it comes to marketing, sales, mindset, business growth in general to help you achieve those goals. So without any further ado, let's dive right in. Understanding how to get more people to get on board with what you're doing is one of the most important skills you can develop in business and in life, to be honest. If you guys have kids, like, hey, um, can you empty the dishwasher? Can you brush your teeth? There's some in my household, there's a lot of resistance around stuff like that. Okay. So it can be frustrating when those same things happen in business. So first of all, I want to share with you how to become a lot more attractive to your perfect clients. So really how to magnetically attract the right people to you. Second thing is how to create magical offers that more people say yes to. And then the third thing kind of intertwined in there is understanding that the prize never chases. Okay. And this will all make sense as we dive into this. This is the most important thing. If there was a lever in your business to really make the biggest difference in results, it would be what I'm about to share with you here. If you ever feel like you have amazing stuff, but no one really gets it, or you're dealing with resistance, or you know, you're know you not selling as much of your program or whatever it is, um, this is going to make a major difference for you. So my goal, my intention here is that you guys can leave this afternoon and have one or two nuances that can shift your mentality and your actual offer that gets more people saying yes. All right, so let's dive into this bad boy. So what I'm going to talk about here is really about the magic, the offer piece. However, there's a very, very close link between the magic and the message. It's very tough to have one without the other. And it's very tough to just isolate one without impacting the other one. So I want to show like just at a high level, we're going to be talking about these two things with a focus on the magic, but you'll see how it relates into the messaging as well. Okay. So first and foremost, what is an offer? Really simply guys, an offer is anytime you ask somebody to do something. So here's an example. So if you have, if you send an email and you're asking somebody to click a link to go to a page, it could be a blog post, it could be a video, it could be an offer for a paid thing, it could be to book a call. Anytime you are asking somebody to do something, that is essentially an offer. Now, here's the thing you have to understand about offers and the way humans operate is that our default setting is to do nothing. It is a lot easier for us to do nothing than it is for us to do something. So apathy or the lack of inertia or inertia in the wrong direction of like, I'm doing nothing. Why should I do something? That is the biggest thing you have to overcome when you are asking people to do something. If you guys have ever noted, like how this shows up in life is you post something on social media and then no one interacts with it, right? It's like they might 
press the heart button, but they don't leave a comment. Or you ask someone to send you a DM and no one does. You send out an email, no one responds to it. You can see how this stuff starts to to build, right? And these are examples of offers. Or you have a webinar, you invite people to book a call, nobody does, right? So an offer is every time you're making an ask, the thing you have to understand, and this is the biggest thing for health professionals, is that nobody cares about you and nobody cares about your thing. So the less you talk about how awesome you are and how awesome your thing is, your thing being your coaching program, your, your whatever it is you're selling, the less you talk about that and the more you talk about them, like what's in it for them, that's when everything starts to change. So you everything you do in marketing, and the marketing essentially building no like and trust within your marketplace to the point where selling becomes unnecessary. And that takes time, right? So the whole point is to be able to communicate value in such a way where your prospects, your audience, see how what you're doing benefits them. Now, if you want a a really vivid reminder of how important this is, how many of you guys have ever been in a group photo, right? You've been in a photo with friends or classroom, you know, graduation photo. Who is the first person you look for in those photos? Exactly. It's not your friends. It's you. And if you've got kids, here's what I've noticed. I've got four boys. They actually, they actually say it. They're like, where's me? Where's me? Now, adults, we don't necessarily verbalize, verbalize it as much, but that's what we're all looking for. And that reminds us that the only thing that matters in our lives is what's in it for me. W-I-I-F-M. Okay, just turn tune into that radio and just understand that. Because if you understand what's in it for them and you, you build everything you do through that, then your offers become a lot more compelling. Okay. This is making sense so far. So an offer is simply anytime you are making an ask, like, Hey, I'd like you to do this thing. They're going to say in their heads, why, right? How do I benefit from this? Okay. So why is this so important? Well, earlier we talked about how online, the biggest thing you have to bridge or build is trust. Let me ask you this. When you first meet someone is trust highest or lowest when you first meet them? Yeah. Lowest. Now, the more time you spend with someone, the more value and goodwill you add to them, the more you show you care about them, does trust increase or decrease? Naturally, it increases, right? So this is is the game. So this is what happens. So when you start off a relationship, so somebody comes onto your email list, somebody follows you on Facebook or Instagram, they don't know you, they they don't like you, they don't trust you, it takes time. And this is why it's very, very important to understand that don't expect people to like beg to give you money right away if they have no idea who you are. So you have to look at how do we time compress this, this process of building trust and understanding that, you know, for some people that might take months or years before they're ready to work with you and understanding that that's okay. But how can you time compress this process so you can build trust? But even if you can't build as much trust as you need, then you can make an offer that almost mitigates the lack of trust you might have within your marketplace or within that given prospect relationship. Put it this way. Why do big brands, perfumes, colognes, why do they associate themselves or why do they hire people like the Brad Pitts, the Angelina Jolies, all the famous actors and actresses? Why do they do that? What they're doing is they're, they're borrowing the trust that us as an audience have with those celebrities. So we think to ourselves, oh, Brad Pitt wears Armani. I don't even know if that's true, but he wears Armani cologne that, well, it's got to be good. 
right? So third-party validation is important, especially with celebrity status levels. So when you are a celebrity, you could say, I'm going to be at the corner of X, Y, and Z, and you'll have a, a lineup of a thousand people ready to do anything you want. We're not there, most of us, right? The goal, obviously, over time is to continue building towards that celebrityism within your marketplace, but that takes time. So when you are not at the Kim Kardashian or the Brad Pitt level, you have to understand that the offers you make to your marketplace are going to be a little bit different than if you were there. So this will make sense as we start to unpack this. Because here's the biggest thing is when you make an offer, you have to mitigate risk. Okay. You have to mitigate risk because if you don't have a tremendous amount of trust built with someone, then what is the likelihood that they're going to take the risk of potentially working with you? If you went to high school with someone and then a couple of years later, they you know, came back into your worlds and you could, you could help them with a specific thing, there's probably more trust there. Therefore, there's less risk in their mind about possibly working with you. If someone just saw you on a Facebook ad and then came into your world, they're thinking to themselves, who is this scam artist? I don't know about these people online. Are they even real? So you have to understand that your job, if you want more people to say yes to you, is you have to take on more of the risk and the client has to take on less of the risk. Okay, that's the most important thing when it comes to offers for you to understand and really internalize. So the goal is then, okay, as the business owner, how much risk are you willing to take on and how much are you not willing to take on? Okay, this is gonna make sense as we start to unravel some of this stuff. So there are four forces of an offer. I'm gonna write these out. So number one is the payment terms. What exactly, like what's the price and how does that price get paid out? Is it a pay in full? Is it payment plans, et cetera? Those are the payment terms. Second thing is the guarantee, if there is one. Third are the deliverables. So what is it that I actually get when I buy this thing? And finally is S&P, which is supply and demand. Okay, so these are the four forces I'm gonna offer. I'm gonna walk you through. However, there's one more. Okay. And I want to take a moment to talk about this other one, because I believe that this is the most important one. Okay. And that is this, your energy, you attract what and who you are. This is the most important thing that you have to understand in your business. And it's also challenging because sometimes, you know, especially when you're not getting the results you want, it's very tough to swallow this pill to say, oh, maybe it's me, right? Maybe it's how I'm showing up. Maybe it's my negativity or my anger or whatever that is repelling the right people from coming into my life. So remember, everything in your external world starts in your internal world. If you want to affect what's out there, you have to start with what's in here. Not just your mindset, but your energy. There's a saying, I think T. Harv Eckert said this, to change the fruits, you need to start at the roots. So if you want, if you currently have a pine tree and you want uh, an apple tree instead, you can't do stuff to the tree, like external circumstances, you can't expect those to change to start creating apples. You have to start internally at the roots to start from scratch and really build it from the ground up, right? So for us, we have to look within as opposed to worrying about external circumstances, right? We can blame Facebook. We can point our fingers at whatever else we want to do. But the reality is that we have to take a hard look in the mirror because everything in life is like a boomerang. So you get what you put out. Like attracts like. And very much along those lines, a lot of our clients are on the same wavelength. And that doesn't happen by accident. And it's also not like strategically built into our marketing. It's just, I am who I am, 
right? We are who we are. And I think if you don't take the time to do the internal work, which doesn't mean you have to take a break from life and spend a year in the mountains, it's every single day. It's centering yourself, checking your energy, understanding how you show up because how you show up is everything. All the tactics and everything else follows from that. All right. So that's the, like the, the other factor, the other force here in the offers, because here's the thing is when you, when you look at, when you look at the most, I don't even want to use charisma as the word, but when you look at a lot of the people, you know, any leaders who are, who are very, very passionate about what they do and they, they, they amass big followings, et cetera, there's something about them. Like they have this passion, they have this enthusiasm, they have this energy. They're not yours. They're not poor me. Life sucks. No one wants to follow people like that. No one gets inspired by people who are Debbie Downers all the time or negative Nancy's. I apologize, Debbie and Nancy for using your names, but you know what I get, you know what I'm saying? So it's important to be the beacon that other people want to be surrounded by. No one wants to be surrounded by negativity. And if they do, I don't think you want to associate with that, right? So you become the beacon that will attract other like-minded individuals to you, okay? That's like, that's attraction 101. So that's the first piece. But let's talk about, all right, Cool, Yuri. I get it. Energy, whatever. Give me like the tactical stuff. Okay. So let's get into the tactical stuff. Let's say you got a a coaching program um, and you charge $3,000 for it. Like, again, many of you had mentioned when Mike asked, like, where are you? You know, what stage is your business at? You know, some of you guys are new. Some of you guys are a little more mature, et cetera. Well, this graph I think is very important to understand because depending on your business maturity, that will affect the pricing or the, the way you present your pricing in the marketplace. Again, if we think of business business maturity as the far end, like the far right side here at the bottom, okay, think of Brad Pitt on the right-hand side, okay? So someone who's been around, I'm just going to use him as an example, celebrity, and think of someone who no one even knows on the left-hand side. So the thing is, in business, we all start at zero, okay? There's three phases that we have to understand. We have phase one, phase two, and phase three. Phase one is the startup phase. And in this phase, you're starting things up, right? In phase two, we have the scale-up phase. So this is where you're starting to get traction. This is where things are starting to click. You're getting some good momentum. And then in phase three is what we call the blow-up phase, which is not where you blow up your business, but you actually like really skyrocket to the next level, okay? So those are the three phases. I'm actually going to move these guys down just a little bit. Okay, so here's the thing is that when we look at this parameter over here, upfront cash demanded, So this is essentially how much, if someone's about to work with me, how much am I asking them to pay me today? Okay. So this is important to understand because what we all want as business owners is up here. So this is desired by you, the business. Okay. We all want the most money upfront. And that makes a lot of sense because from a business perspective, it's all about cash flow. Cash in the bank is better than cash you know, a couple months from now. But here's the interesting thing is that the prospect or the consumer or the client is looking ideally to be down here. So this is desired by clients. So we've got a bit of an issue. You want to get the most money up front. They want to give you the least money up front. And this is where the challenges start to arise is how do you present your pricing in such a way that more people say yes because of this dichotomy, okay? So that's just like, those are the bookends. Now, So what happens here is there's a few things. So when we look at the journey of your business, so you start off at, you know, ground zero, no clients, no revenue, whatever. What I'm going to suggest to you, if you want to have an easier time building momentum is you start on this side, 
where you're asking for a little bit less money up front. And what happens is as you go through these three phases, that will change. So if you look at phase one here, and before I continue, I do want to mention that pricing is 100% philosophy. So you can say, Yuri, this is awesome, but I'm not going to take this advice. I'm going to do my own thing. That's fine, right? You know, but the reality is that you're going to deal with more resistance if you don't understand these principles and more importantly, apply them. Okay. Now, when I say start lower down here, I'm not talking about discounting your price from $3,000 to 200. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's 3,000 bucks. Let's just use that as the example. But what we are saying is we're changing the payment terms so that it's less money up front for the client. Because remember, at this point in your business, you don't have the luxury of massive trust, massive social proof. You're asking the client to take a risk on you. They don't have like, oh, I've seen you in all the blockbuster movies. I would do anything to work with you. You don't have that aura yet. That's what we want to build over time. So as we move through these three phases, things change, right? As we get into phase two, we can start changing our payment terms or our pricing a little bit as we start getting more momentum and scale. And then in phase three, as the business blows up, and I'm talking about several million dollars in revenue at this point, guys, I'm not talking about a handful of clients, okay? So phase three is where you become the preeminent leader in your space, not I had a good month. Like you're just like dominating. So at this point, this is what I would call, you have two options at this point. Number one is what I would call niche market exclusivity, if that's even how it's written. So you have niche market exclusivity growth. And what that means is that, you grow by selectively choosing the people you want to work with and you just keep increasing your price. And if they can't work with you, bye, have a nice time. And that's a choice for you to make. Four Seasons Hotels, you're lucky if you get a hotel room on on any night for under 500 bucks. Are they going to change their business model all of a sudden because some people can't afford that? No, they can go to Motel 6, right? Your business is a choice, So that's option number one as you grow. This is the option I would strongly recommend for most of you guys. Option number two is as you grow, you can also go the other way, which is what I call mass market hypergrowth. So this is where, like in Dana's case, she started at 80 people on her email list, right? As she was mentioned this morning. And then she built, you know, her current email list is 35,000 people. If you have 35,000 people, do you think they're all going to say yes to your high ticket offer? No way. Now, you could also have a lower end offer. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be both. But remember, as soon as you add two things in, you add, you double the complexity in your business. So let's just say for the sake of simplicity, you chose one or the other. So Dana or anyone else, 35,000 people on the email list, you could say, you know what, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to charge a hundred bucks. And instead of getting 30 people in at three or four or 5k, I'm going to get, you know, a hundred people in at a hundred dollars. And this was the model that I ran in my first business. And I'll tell you what, it's a nightmare. It is a lot of work and complexity. And unless you are dialed in, it's really challenging. Okay. Healthpreneur is all about niche market exclusivity growth. And we recommend that your businesses are the same. I wouldn't recommend selling online courses. I would put that into the mass market hypergrowth, but it's a lot easier to start at the top to charge a lot. And then as a potential you know, fall back down the road, you can help more people over time at a lower price point if you wanted to. What I'm trying to say is that don't come out of the gate expecting everyone to say yes if nobody knows you. And if you have 
very little clout and social proof in your marketplace, you as the business owner have to take on a little bit more of the risk. As your business matures, then you can have people starting to jump through hoops. Hey, I need you to go run a marathon, then swim 500 meters, then write me a letter, and then maybe I'll consider working with you. That's the point we, I think we'd all love to get to because when you get to that point, you start attracting the best people to work with. The I believe the Marines have a saying, which I would write this down and tattoo it on you if you have to. If you want the most, make it easy. If you want the best, make it hard. That is the whole principle upon which we've built our business. We're not looking for thousands of customers at 10 bucks. You're looking for the best people and we're gonna get them to jump through hoops. So that's when it comes to pricing. Hey, quick little interlude in today's episode. I don't know about you, but I'm a very visual learner. And if you're the same, you might enjoy this content in video format. If that's the case, be sure to head over to YouTube. Just type healthpreneur when you're searching in the YouTube browser and you'll come across our channel. A lot of the episodes for this podcast actually originate on our YouTube channel as videos. And if you'd like to see more of the visuals that I talk about in many of these episodes, then I would encourage you to go on over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel and enjoy all of the longer form videos as well as a lot of the shorts that we post online on a daily basis. So head on over to YouTube if you're a visual learner like I am, and let's get back to the show. The value equation. I want to give credit where credit is due. My buddy, Alex Tramosi, one of the smartest dudes on the planet, came up with this, and I want to give him full credit for this because this is brilliant. So how do we establish value? How does somebody look at something and say, you know what, that's worth the price versus there's no way? So it comes down to four forces, okay? So these are the four drivers of value. So number one is desirability of the outcome. So one of the first things that we work with you guys on in HBA is, are you solving a bleeding neck problem? Are you solving a major pain or problem that people absolutely want to solve? If you're not, you're going to see how this impacts value. Second is the perceived likelihood of the outcome with your solution, with your help. Okay. That's the top part. On the bottom of the equation, we have time. How much time is this going to take me to get from where I am to where I want to be? And effort slash sacrifice. What effort do I have to put in here? What do I have to sacrifice to get this outcome? This is everything, guys. Okay. Let's look at Blockbuster compared to Netflix. Okay. Desirability of outcome. I want to watch a movie. Cool. Yeah. Like that's, that's awesome. Perceived likelihood of outcome. If I go to Blockbuster, the perceived likelihood of me watching a movie is very high because I'm going to get a DVD, bring it back home. But it may not be 100% because maybe they're sold out. So that's, you know, blockbuster. Netflix, desirability of outcome. Yeah, I want to watch the movie. Perceived likelihood of me being able to watch the movie is 1000%. Because if I click the button, I can watch the movie. There's no sold out. Okay. So the goal here is we want to increase the top part of the equation. On the bottom side, this is where the magic happens. Blockbuster, how much time is it going to take me to get to the movie? Well, it depends how far away I live from Blockbuster. Like when I used to go to Blockbuster, it was a 20 minute walk. Well, it's 20 minutes by the time I get there, walk around, I come back with the movie. It's like an hour and a half later. Okay. Netflix, time, instantaneous. Effort, how much effort do I have to put in? What do I have to sacrifice? Well, I got to put a jacket on. It might be cold outside. I got to walk. I got to get like, maybe I'm in my pajamas. I don't even want to go outside. Those are sacrifices slash effort. Blockbuster, very high. Netflix, press a button, zero effort. So the more we can reduce the bottom side of the equation, the more valuable the offer becomes. So let me put it in another way to make this sink home for you guys. Let's say you want to lose 30 pounds. 
Option number one is you go work out with a trainer at a gym. Uh, high desirability of outcome. Yes, I want to lose the weight. Perceived likelihood of outcome, probably pretty high if you work with a trainer, even though you have to get through your own mental blocks, et cetera, but you can probably get there because that's what people do. Now, bottom half of the equation, how much time is that going to take? Could take 12 weeks, could take longer. Effort, I got I to gotta sweat. I have to get uncomfortable every single day. I have to give up some of my favorite foods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so keep that in mind. Obviously, we know that that's the, the smarter way. Option number two is I'm just going to go to this cosmetic clinic and I'm going to get like a tummy tuck. Desirability of outcome, 100%. I've seen the social proof. You do this stuff. I lose the weight. It's done. Perceived likelihood of outcome. Well, it's doctor driven. It's proven 100%. Time, I show up, I leave and I'm lighter. Effort, zero. Which one's more valuable? Stated otherwise, which one is able to charge more? The tummy tuck or the, the cosmetic surgery or the trainer? for the same outcome? The answer is obvious. It's the cosmetic routes. The pharmaceutical industry, the supplement industry are billion, probably trillion dollar industries now. And the reason for that is because, is it easier to take a pill or change your eating habits? It's obvious. Okay. So here's the thing. When you're coaching clients, we're not looking for, for the, we're telling them like, this is not going to be easy. So we're essentially saying, uh, sorry, bottom half of the equation is off the table, more or less. So we have to understand, even if that's the case, how can we mitigate that? So if you if you think it takes six months to get someone, uh, can you get that done in three months, right? Think of how you can play with these various drivers of value so that even though we're not completely negating them, we're moving them in the right direction. So the bottom half of the equation is very, very important. But here's the way around this. And this is going to lead into some of the other stuff we talk about, about the prize never chasing. So let me get through this. I want to touch on guarantees for a second. So if you have payment terms that are very attractive, right? Depending on your journey in business, the the best way to solidify and consolidate that conversation into a yes is to have a guarantee that makes it zero risk for the client. As an example, if, so here's the best example, the least risky, most compelling is at the top here. So the the risk-free trial is something like you work with me for free, I get you a result and then you pay. So it's like you pay nothing unless you get a result and you only pay me after the result. Now, that's very tough to do as a business, right? But that's the most compelling, the least risky, most compelling for the client. But it's the opposite for business, most risky, least compelling for you. So again, we have to find that balance. These three highlighted here, I'm not going to go into, into details. These are the ones we recommend for our clients. And essentially, you want to think of what is it, an outcome I can guarantee and if that is not met, what could I do instead? Or what could I give them instead? Is it you know money back? Is it extra time with me coaching them for free, et cetera? But the key with guarantees in a coaching environment is having conditions. So three conditions, for instance, right? You have to do this, this, and this. This is very powerful because these three conditions should be the levers that really help the person achieve the outcome. If they did these three things, it would be impossible for them not to succeed. And the beautiful thing with health is that for the most part, if someone wants to lose weight, if they did very basic things like move your body every day, drink water every day, get rid of allergenic foods, whatever those things are for you, it's close to impossible not to achieve a healthier, fitter body. And so what that means is that if you're very good at what you do, you could theoretically make an offer. Like if you don't achieve this outcome, I'll give you 10 times your money back assuming you do one, two, and three, and you know those three things to be the biggest catalyst for that client. 
And if they didn't do those three things, number one, they can't ask for their money back because they didn't do the three things. And if they did do the three things, they would get the results. So you still wouldn't have to honor the guarantee. So the goal here is to think of how do you craft an offer that's so compelling, that's tied in with an outcome that they want. You know, you've got good clarity around what those three conditions would be to achieve that outcome. And because the likelihood of them succeeding with that outcome is so great, if they did those three things, you could offer them anything as recourse if they didn't achieve it somehow, because the likelihood of them of that happening is like 0.01%. Obviously, this would all be in writing. It would be in your agreement, et cetera. Can you see the difference here between someone who says, uh, to work with me, it's $3,000. Cool. Cool. Um, All right, let me think about it. Versus you don't pay me for the first 30 days. I'll actually cover your first two payments and then your payments will kick in 30 days later once you're starting to see results. Oh, and by the way, I'm so confident that you'll get this outcome, whatever the outcome is, that if you don't, I'll send you twice as much money as you paid me, assuming you do these three things. Uh, Okay, that sounds pretty amazing. If you can start to think through these these things, I'm telling you, your business will change. You will get way more people saying yes to you. You're not going to feel pushy. You're not going to feel salesy. You're simply crafting an offer that is more attractive to the client than it is to your business. You're taking on more risk as the business because you know the value of getting people in. And smart businesses understand that it's all about acquiring clients and customers because the real money is on the back end. It's not the front end, right? Novice business owners are trying to make all their money on that first sale. And the ones who build great empires, you know, empire being subjective based on what they want to do, understand that it's about building the relationship, acquiring that client up front, and then you build the trust once they're in and they become a client of yours for life or, you know, as long as, long as you know, makes sense for both of you. So I'm going to share five principles of, of attractive offers here. And I'm going to go back to supply and demand in just a moment as I go through these. So number one, this... I first learned from my buddy, Dean Jackson, who I think is one of the smartest marketing minds on the planet. A compelling offer is far more effective than a convincing argument. How many of you would agree that learning the skill of selling, of persuasion takes time, right? It's a lot easier to have a compelling argument that doesn't even yield objections, right? And that's what we're trying to get at here. It's understanding that selling is a very important skill for you, to develop, for you to develop. You absolutely must be able to communicate persuasively to move people into action, for sure. It's a lot easier though, to just have a great offer that more people are like, I would be, I would be pretty stupid to say no to that. So that's the first principle is the offer is the biggest leverage point in your business. Number two, people don't want to buy what you have to sell. They want to buy what others are buying. So let me go back up to this for a second. So if we look at this guy right here, so I know this is a little bit small, but hopefully you can see this. This is a supply and demand curve, right? From economics. If we look at the the red curve on the bottom here, okay? That is normal demand. If we can somehow show that there's more demand than what we can supply, then naturally the price increases and the desirability to buy now over here increases as well, right? So you can see this, this, this data point moves for the same amount of supply, so the same amount of what your ability to deliver, if we can manufacture demand, then we can charge more and it builds desire for people to buy more and buy now. How do we do that? It's a lot of ways. Social proof, you're all sold out, right? Those are a couple examples of showing people that there's a huge amount of demand for what it is you do. Supply and demand can be 100% manufactured, okay? But it needs to be done ethically. We're not talking about doing things out of integrity here. The other way of doing this is by reducing supply. So over here is 
the normal supply curve. But if we reduce the supply, then over here, the price goes up and it becomes more desirable for people to buy. I only have five spots this month. That's very different than come in whenever you want, right? With you know this event, we had different pricing tiers at different dates and times. And those were, were very firm to say, listen, like if you get a ticket here, this is the price. If you get it afterwards, this is the price. So these are ways that you can manufacture supply and demand in your favor. So people don't want to buy what you have to sell. They want to buy what others are buying. How many of you guys rely on reviews on Amazon before making a purchase, right? It's really simple. Number three, you are the prize and the prize never chases. This goes back to your energy. This goes back to understanding that, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have the keys to the kingdom that this person is looking for. So prospect comes to you. Let's just use uh, the example of they have not been able to lose weight for 20 years. So you are the prize because you have the keys to the solution to their weight loss. And if you understand this, this changes all of your marketing and your messaging is you don't beg people to work with you. They beg to work with you. And that's because you have to position yourself as the authority, right? If they knew what to do, they wouldn't be seeking your help. So if you ever find yourself in situations where you're trying to explain yourself to someone or, you know, they're like, well, I don't believe you show me the proof you've lost. You're done. You're done. The better you market, the less you have to sell. That's why marketing is so important. You want people on the phone with you who are singing your praise. You should never be on the phone with someone and then being like, oh, really? Yeah. Tell me, tell me if this really works. You should never have a phone call like that. But that happens if you don't have a perfect client pipeline. If you have a perfect client pipeline, which I'll get into in about an hour or so, that becomes irrelevant because you need people who are fully indoctrinated in your way of doing things before you spend time even speaking with them. And that's what great marketing does is it positions you as the prize because really, if you think about it, you are guys, like you are all the prize to your markets. You have the keys to the problems that they're trying to solve and you should never be begging people. You should never be chasing people. You should never be making concessions. Okay. I'll give you a thousand dollars off. If we get started today, forget it, right? You don't get started today. I'm never going to speak with you again, right? If we don't do this now on the phone, the likelihood of you doing this is close to 0%. And guess what? I don't need your business. I would love to support you, but I'm good. The ship has already sailed. We've already left. Tell me why I should send the Zodiac back to the shore to get you. That's the energy you have to have. You don't have to be, you, I'm not saying being like a, you know, being, being an asshole about it, but energetically in a relationship, he or she who is most needy is usually the one that gets dumped, right? No one likes the neediness. No one likes desperation, but charisma, confidence, conviction, knowing that I don't need you, that is very attractive. And if you come from that position, everything becomes a lot easier. Number four, people, and this flows from what we just said, people want what they can't have. And at the same time, they also rarely appreciate what is freely given to them, freely given to them. When people don't pay, they don't pay attention. Can you guys relate to this? How many of you guys have ever done a free challenge or free anything and been absolutely like flabbergasted by the fact that people don't do anything? This is the reason why I do not recommend doing live webinars if you value your time. We did a live webinar on my health business. The last one I did, this is like this was like the, the nail in the coffin. We had 2,000 people register, okay? And we promoted this three days before the live webinar. Do you know how many people showed up live? 140. 140 people out of 2,000 people who registered. Why would I waste my time, right? So you have to understand the mechanics of how do we make an offer attractive yet at the same time getting people to commit? 
people commit with their time and their wallets. And the more we can take it away from them, the more they're going to want it. So again, energetically, listen, like you need my help more than I need your money. If you come from a place of like, I need to close this sale, I need to make this, this whatever, it's not going to work out. You have to come from the glass is always full because that is what attracts the right people to you. And number five, the better you understand these forces that I've talked about here, the more you see how your messaging and magic become one and the same. What I mean by that is that everything you put out into the marketplace essentially becomes one and the same. When you speak, when you write, when you write a Facebook ad, if, it, if it's an email, like the magic, the offer is embedded in everything you do, right? Dropping little things like, if I were to send out an email tomorrow, I'd be like, man, that first day of HP Live was amazing. It was completely sold out. We had people just like, we had to kick them off the Zoom account because there weren't you know enough spaces. As an example, that's all part of creating the supply and demand, the magic, the offer, training your audience so that the future yields different results. They understand, oh, all right, this is serious business. Like he's not messing around. When he said he sold out, he was sold out. And so you start to understand these forces, how they come together and you start to recognize how everything is one and the same. And you have to, like, you start to see the world in a different way. And it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's really, it's great because ultimately what this all comes down to is that the more you're able to do this, the more you're able to see your business and how you can help people through this lens, the more people you're going to help. That's what this comes down to, guys. It's not about being salesy or pushy or slimy or any, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about understanding what drives people to do things and lining up the cards in your favor for that person. So more of them say yes, because the more people say yes, the more people you can help. The more people you help, the more money you make. The more money you make, the more people you can help. Hiring team members, putting up more goodwill into the world, increasing your marketing so you can reach more people, right? So this is the foundation of everything. So does that make sense, guys? I hope it does. So we've covered five principles of attractive, of attractive offers. We talked about the, the four forces of an offer. So the deliverables, which we didn't cover here, but um, I'd say they're at least, the least important out of the other three, payment terms, guarantees, and supply and demand. And I know this stuff, you know, obviously we can unpack this a lot more. Full disclosure, this is something I do three times a week with our clients. I have a call every morning called the Offer Lab, and we go into depth about like, all right, let's have a look at your payment terms. Let's have a look at your guarantee. Because when you get this dialed in, guys, everything becomes a whole lot easier. You deal with less objections, less people saying no. And as a result, you get more people saying yes. That's great for them. Good for you. It builds your confidence. It builds your momentum. You're able to keep the business going and growing and growing. And there we go. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys on the prize number chases slash magical offers slash being more attractive to your perfect people. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me in today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have, here's what I'd love for you to do next is if you're not already subscribed to the Health Burner Show, go ahead and hit that button wherever you're listening to this to make sure you do not miss a single episode coming your way. And while you're at it, why not leave a rating or review? It would mean a lot to me. And here's why. Because I lay in bed awake at night wondering, are you enjoying this show? Do you get a lot of value out of this? And I never really know until I hear from you. All kidding aside, I would really appreciate a rating or review because as you know, the more people know about this show, the more people we can help and your ratings and reviews make a huge difference. So thanks for hanging out with me once again and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.